That's my niece Tallulah Coldiron in a video performance for her high school graduation. She's in lockdown at home in Oakland, California with her brothers Sai and Jackson and parents Kevin and Jody, my sister. talking to you. I last talked to them for the detail nearly three months ago when they went into lockdown or shelter in place. Since then, the US has recorded 1.7 million COVID-19 cases and more than 100,000 deaths. For them, nothing's changed really. They're still stuck at home. But at the same time, a lot has happened to them. A best-selling book, graduations and milestone birthdays. And Jody has turned the intense boredom and anxiety of lockdown into something else. Once I accepted it, kind of the wisdom of no escape, it was actually really good because I realised um, I was an introvert after all, at the age of 58 I realised this, and um, I actually finished off the novel that I've been writing uh, for five years and completely edited it. So it was kind of good news for me actually. Now I have to try and find an agent, which is a apparently a career in itself. <laughs> Shall we, can you give us a quick synopsis of what the book's about? Uh, well, it's a murder mystery set in, in central London and a Hopi beach, and it's about a um, 34-year-old journalist who's been shamed after a story went fatally wrong. She's in desperate need of a story, and she gets this really bizarre tip-off that there's a heroin ring operating out of a winery in her hometown of a Hopi beach. So she journeys back um, to try and find out about this this uh, heroin ring operating down the beach from us. That's a huge achievement to get that done. You must feel like, well, in the end, lockdown was a good thing. Well, it was a good thing for me. Um, I think it's been pretty hard for a lot of other people. But, yeah, it has been a really good thing. We've been doing this. I've been doing this thing with my writing friends of just Zooming every day. And so we do it for hours a day. And it seems like it's a really weird thing to do to be writing and just sort of looking up and looking at, you know, five other people. But it's worked really well and it's kept us honest and at our desks. And, Kevin, what about you? Are you able to carry on doing your work? I've got myself into a routine of eating about a bag of mini <laughs> peanut butter cups every day, um, which I thought, you know, I kind of downsized from the normal peanut butter cup size to the mini ones, thinking That's that was job. okay. And then I realized I was eating kind of like a bag every other day. Um, uh, Work-wise, yeah, you know, it's um, I I do research, so I can I can do it at, um, at home from my office. I took a couple programming courses that I've been meaning to do to learn the kind of computer language that all my students learn. Yeah, I think as Jody said, you just kind of adjust to the rhythm. I think what we're both missing is, you know, getting together with friends. That really is kind of a hole, and there's just sort of nothing fun to look forward to at the end of the at the end of the week the reality is this pandemic has just begun it hasn't ended and while we are moving forward because of stabilization by no stretch of the imagination uh, is this virus behind us where are you at because we're we're at level two and i know you have a different um setup there the shops have reopened now no, no, the essential, it's really hasn't changed that much. I don't know, it would be equivalent maybe to your level four or something. I mean, grocery stores are open and things that are deemed essential 
but um, you know, restaurants, bars, schools, sporting events, all that stuff is completely shut down. The big headline out of this yesterday was that barbershops and hair salons would reopen with added safety measures. Only approved counties have the final say. Yeah, and it's, it's sort of like, uh, well, something was supposed to happen by the end of this month, but we're still not really sure. And so we kind of haven't got that same sense of, um, I don't know what the word is, euphoria that maybe New Zealand has got, because even if we come out of this, you know, and sort of do come out of it halfway, we're actually still not sure that we wouldn't go back into it again. Um, you know, e even now, the numbers in our county have just surged in the last week um, up to 3,000. But can you go out walking? Because I think when I spoke to you last, you were allowed to get out and about and go for walks, and then they cracked down on that and said, no, it's too dangerous. So can you go to the beaches and go to parks? A lot of the parks and beaches are still closed. But, yeah, I go for a walk once a week with my friends up in the hills. But you do get quite a lot of aggro from people. Everyone wants you to have your mask on, and, of course, we do. Um, but some people, even though we know the three of us are six feet from each other and six feet from the other person, there's, you know, they're giving you that, some people are giving you the evil eye as you approach them. What is the mood there like now? Is there the same kind of lockdown fatigue over there? Well, I'm sure if, if your business is shut down or gone bankrupt, um, I'm sure you're extremely anxious. On the other hand, um, I think people are just a little bit more resigned to it now. I, I don't think that we can think that if we open up, it might, might happen again in another week. Yeah, I think there is some lockdown fatigue. At the same time, there's also, like, I think a desire, especially around here, to kind of build on the progress that, w that we've made because it was an initial hotspot. The Bay Area was an initial hotspot, and now we're doing really, really well relative to the rest of the country so people don't want to lose that so in your household you've got a cleaning routine every is it monday wednesday friday at midday the all five yeah, of you right. put your rubber gloves on and start cleaning yep exactly. actually we're getting a break today because you're calling it midday so thank you. <laughs> does that mean that the kids get on with it anyway no that's well, it's just, yeah. it's been kind of like whatever system we put in place immediately gets gamed, you know, it's like, <laughs> first it was like, we'll all clean at the same time. And then there was like complaints, well, I can't clean at this time because I've got school. So then we shifted to, okay, do what time suits you. And then of course we had to police that because they weren't doing it. And then we're like, okay, we're not doing a time-based system. We're doing a job-based system <laughs> with rotating jobs. And now it's just, I think we're oh just, God, we're in yeah. like the, the fifth stage of grief, yeah. just acceptance that, you know. <laughs> this is how it's going to be. I mean, to, yeah. to be fair, they they do um, participate. Um, and With I their think, earbuds on. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. But, and then Tulu the other day, I caught her out only, only doing half an hour. And she said, well, of course it's going to, take you an hour because you do a better job than me <laughs> and um, the, the one thing that Sai's really taken to natural products so he uses a lot of vinegar so the whole place smells like a pickle factory every time <laughs> so I guess yes we do have lockdown fatigue you yeah, put, it, exactly. put it in cleaning terms. after all <laughs>
And um, family time, do you, do you have scheduled family time or is it more about avoidance? Um, I think avoidance, we're still trying to do the movies, but I definitely think I've got this nagging sense of guilt if all this finishes in a week that I should have aimed for more, you know, what they call here, connectivity, connecting with your kids. We didn't even crack open the games and... Um, you know, Jackson got up early one morning and I said, oh, you're, you're up really early. And he said, yeah, I've got three exams today. And I said, oh, good luck with that. Um, and then, you know, I did, I did say to them, look, do you, all you guys, why don't we do one of these TikTok dances, you know, social media? Mm. And so I said, oh, no, that's not a thing. But you did do a kind of a family video that became a music video as part of Tallulah's graduation performance. Yeah, that was kind of the highlight of family cooperation. But yeah, no, the music video was a success story. We're pretty, pretty pleased with that. And Kevin, we're going to talk about your book because it became a bestseller in lockdown. But do you feel like you have achieved have there been any other kind of milestones because 11 11 weeks is a long time with five people yes it is well i think you know it's been pretty sad really because Tallulah turned 19 Tallulah um graduated from high school then um harley's going to graduate from college and he's up in bend so we're going to miss that so it is pretty sad also, and, Jackson's turning 21 next week, and 21 is a big deal here because you're allowed to, you know, drink legally. So typically, that's a big day where you go out with all your friends and stuff to the bar. So you won't be able to do that. Yeah. So he'll be at home, and we'll be watching him have his first sip of beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to say, when Tallulah graduated high school, that kind of affected me a little bit more than I was expecting because. The, the online ceremony, the school made a big effort to do it, but it's not the same. It really isn't. And, uh, you know, she she had worked really hard. And at her school, you know, you, typically you get to do a senior kind of recital and showcase. And um, she missed out on all that. And so I just felt I felt for, her. you know, that that was um, something that, you know, again, it's a sort of first world problems. But still, it's uh, it's a it's a big kind of rite of passage that that she missed out on. Yeah, and also I think for kids that need summer jobs, they're probably not going to get summer jobs, and the kids coming out of college, um, you know, it's going to be incredibly hard for them to find work. And so it's this thing like, okay, we come out of lockdown, but to what sort of world? So that's kind of a bit depressing, really, and that's when you have to sort of start taking it day by day. It's 11 weeks, Si. How are you feeling about everything? Pretty good. I just finished school. So basically it's summer right now. So I'm just like doing like workouts for basketball. And then I need to take a summer class. And then I need to do 60 volunteer hours for school. And yes, and what about the cleaning? Is it is the cleaning working? I mean, Jody says that she has to instruct you on cleaning up. Oh underneath. yeah, do not listen to anything my mom says. She just likes to lie a lot of, about a lot of things. Um. <laughs> okay, is Tallulah there? Hi, how are you? I'm good. Happy birthday and congratulations on your graduation performance. 
Did you tell me about that? Because you basically you produced a music video, but in that video, all the family members made an appearance. Yeah, so I thought it would just be a little boring if I just stood in front of um, a camera and just played my guitar to the track. So me and my dad were like trying to think of different things we could do. First, we were like, oh, like different weird chores around the house and just like videotape that. But then it didn't quite turn out the way we wanted it to. So we kept thinking and then he was like, oh, what if we like screen recorded a Zoom call and everyone was doing a bunch of like different weird things and it was just like chaotic and stuff. So we decided to do that because it was funny. In the last 11 weeks or so, a lot has happened to you, but nothing has happened to you because it's all happened in lockdown. And yeah, it- it's weird to have had my birthday and my high school graduation in one week. I kind of, and not that I don't care, but I'm not like super affected by it. Like I had my friends over, like socially distanced of course, um, and we watched my graduation on my laptop outside. Meanwhile, 20-year-old Jackson has a tiny cottage industry going in the TV room. Our family friend, Leslie Evers, she designs the dresses and stuff. So she started making masks with all her prints. And so I've been helping her like three to four hours a day. She drops off a bit, uh, a ton of masks and I kind of like uh, sort them, take inventory and put them into groups of like one, two, three, four, six packs of these masks. And then she puts them on the website and then they're just bought from there. So that's what I've been doing for work. And how has it been with the family? Um, It's fine. We kind of all have our separate routines. Yeah, I definitely feel the need to kind of get out of the house every now and then. Back to Kevin and his finance book, The Rise of Carrie, which he co-wrote with Tim and Jamie Lee. In a bizarre way, the timing couldn't have been better, making the subtitle even more fitting. The dangerous consequences of volatility suppression and the new financial order of decaying growth and recurring crisis. Yeah, it has. Well, I don't want to oversell it, I guess. But yeah, there were about three or four weeks during March where we were the number one uh, seller in a bunch of Amazon uh, business categories. And do you think it's because of the situation that we're in and that, you know, that the financial markets have been on such a wild ride? It's got people are looking for some kind of explanation. I think I think that's it. Yeah. Um, the in the book, we talk about how the financial markets are particularly fragile and they're they're susceptible to crashes. So when we when we had the crash in March, um, I think people started looking to try to understand what was going on. And we, we actually got lucky. There was um, I, I don't really spend a lot of time on Twitter, but apparently there's um, a, a guy on Twitter who has a bit of a cult following amongst market traders. And he recommended the book. And then we saw kind of a big spike in sales. And then we got a couple nice reviews from people all kind of happening at the same time. Right. The power of Twitter, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's pretty amazing to see, actually. This is kind of insulting, but can you, how would you describe the carry trade? I mean, I I am reading your book, and I think the most (laughs) basic description I can get is that you 
borrow in one currency with on very low interest rates, such as the yen, and then you put the money into a currency with much higher rate, like the Australian dollar, and you make money on the difference between the two um, interest rate payments? Yeah, that's exactly right. And in fact, that's the classic carry trade, right? You borrow exactly as you said, borrow at a low interest rate, um, invest, turn that money into, say, a higher interest rate currency, which could actually be the New Zealand dollar. Historically, that was a big recipient of carry trades. And then the thing is, you you make money if, quote, nothing happens, right? If the exchange rate doesn't move, you collect that um, that yield spread as a as a profit. So you're basically betting on the world staying the same when things change, when volatility erupts, when exchange rate starts moving. Then those those trades can lo- start losing losing money quickly. Um, and because you're trading with borrowed money, as soon as you start to lose money, you have to get out of that position quickly. And that means in the case of a currency trade, let's say you had borrowed money in yen and invested in New Zealand dollars and New Zealand dollar starts falling, you need to sell that position. And so you're selling into a market that's already falling and you're basically reinforcing the moves in the market. And that kind of creates a sort of fire sale effect. So the theme in the book is that, you know, Carry trades used to be isolated to things like the currency market, and now we've seen them grow um, everywhere. They've kind of expanded. I mean, I was thinking of an example for you of Airbnb, right? We've seen it here, and I'm guessing it probably would happen in New Zealand as well, where people say, hey, you know, I can can take out a mortgage at 3%, and I can use that to buy, let's say, a batch on the beach in New Zealand, and I could rent that out on Airbnb and I might earn 10% on that rental. So as long as the world stays the same, um, I make money. I, my carry is the difference between the interest I can earn on my renting out my batch on Airbnb and, and my mortgage interest rate. That's a, that's a spread. That's borrowed money. You borrowed money to buy an asset that earns a higher rate of return. The risk is that something like COVID-19 happens, all of a sudden you can't earn that the same amount of money on um, Airbnb. And if it gets bad enough, you're going to have to sell your batch. And it could be that other people are selling at the same time. And that kind of reinforces a fall in this case in in house prices. So carry trades have kind of popped up um, everywhere in the world. And this has created a a market that's far less stable than, than it used to be. So should it be stopped then, the carry trade, or can it be stopped? The tricky thing is that some level of carry is is good for the markets, right? You think about what a bank does. Banks are doing carry trades. You, know, you put your money in, a, in the bank and you get a low interest rate on your deposit and they turn around and they lend it out to someone to buy a home. And that's, that's a carry trade and that benefits everyone. Um, insurance companies do the same thing. Right? If you're an insurance company and you sell life insurance, you get a steady stream of income um, each month. And then once in a while, when a bad event happens, someone dies, um, you have to pay out. And again, the existence of insurance is a good thing. It lowers risk for everyone. So some level of carry, I guess, is what we, what we say in the book is, is useful and, and valuable. 
but when it grows to be too big, then it becomes a, a risk factor. And unfortunately, now I don't know how you put the genie back in, in the bottle. What's next? What's next for you all in terms of lockdown? It, there's still so much uncertainty, it seems. Yeah, I so the the plan right now is for us to go back to some semblance of normal with the kids either at university or working, and then um, Cy stuck at home with, <laughs> with us. Um, we don't really know if he'll go back to school or not. I'm actually um, involved with volunteering at, at his um, school, and they're really, really struggling with how to how to have in-person classes yet still follow all the safety protocols. It just it could easily consume all the school's resources just trying to maintain distances, clean, uh, you know, keep students healthy, clean classrooms, everything like that. So I honestly don't know if they'll be able to pull it off. That's the latest chapter on the Brett Kelly cold irons in Oakland. I should mention that Jodie's book is called Bay of Plenty, with the protagonist not only investigating a heroin ring, but also discovering the death of her best friend 20 years ago was murder. The two crimes are linked. That's the detail today. I'm Sharon Brett Kelly. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz, made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get the detail downloaded free to your mobile phone every weekday from any podcast platform. If you're using Apple, give us a rating so others can find us too. This episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Alexia Russell. And thanks to Jodie and Kevin and my two nephews and niece. Ma Tewa. Wow.